When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly slice of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host, and this is episode 196. This week, I'm chatting to Olive's deputy food editor and ex-baker, Adam Bush, all about sourdough bread. We've seen a huge interest in sourdough making since lockdown, and Adam has written many guides for Olive on the subject. In this episode, he takes us through the process step by step and explains that with a bit of care and patience, anyone can be whipping up loaves from scratch. So welcome back to the podcast, Adam. Hello. Hi, Janine. Hello. Lovely to see you over Zoom again. Over Zoom. (laughs) On the internet. On the internet, on the interweb. Um, Today, as promised, in our last recording that we did about bread that was simple bread today we're doing complicated bread as in mm-hmm. we're going to do sourdough which you are, are expert in and we said we're going to go deep we're going to go step by step we're going to cover everything we possibly can so hopefully if anybody's out there looking to start their little own sourdough journey um you know yeah. this, this is where they can stop what's going on at the minute with sourdough though because like i think i'm the only person definitely in our cookery team but possibly in the whole of north london not making sourdough <laughs> yeah i think you might be one of the few people in the country not making it why do you um, think it's gone so much i think because people because it's such a time heavy thing to do that you need to sort of i mean you can fa- factor it into your lifestyle when you go to work and you leave it but being there to manage it is is quite important um and i think the fact that people are at home um, yeah. so they can actually it's, it's, it's quite it's quite a daunting thing to do because it takes a couple of days yeah um so actually being at home means that like oh i can actually be there keep my eye on it you know read up you know etc so i think it's a really good thing to um like challenge and take on really. yeah that's a good point actually so you're kind of there a bit like you having your kids not your kids because you haven't got any <laughs> Yeah, but, <laughs> but a bit like people having their kids home homeschooling they're now yeah. kind of looking after this other little creature which is their, their sourdough starter so um, yeah indeed I've, I've just got notes here to say big, big up adam the baker because people might not realize but you actually have a past life as a chef where you worked in some pretty flash restaurants indeed. and you um you were also a baker for a time yeah so um 
that yeah, that's that, like I mean, that's where how I, how my knowledge has has been born really. Before I was a baker, I, I'll be honest, I didn't really know that much about baking. I just met someone at a restaurant I worked at um, mm. who was doing consultancy for bread, and then he opened his own bakery. And then basically, I finished being a chef. As in I said, I did my notice, and then the next day, I started a bakery. Um, and it was like a really small scale sourdough bakery, um, just doing like the local restaurants around East London. Um, yeah and it was kind of like I I I had to learn on the job really yeah so it was it was really good and the guy I worked with Ben was an amazing teacher and um yeah so I basically had to I learned from scratch but while also baking professionally and uh, which was um quite terrifying at times when I I didn't really know what I was doing so but did you leave you in charge sometimes I mean were you there on your own yeah I mean after like three or four months he left me on my own to like yeah. go and do bakes and mixes and like make, you know, I might make 250 sourdough loaves and a couple of hundred baguettes and some cinnamon wow. buns and stuff for my own. Um, which, yeah, the first few times was daunting. But yeah. um, I think by that point I'd learned enough um, to sort of have a handle on it. Were you pulling those doing. like 3am shifts then? Yeah, I was starting at, on, a, on a Friday night for like the, uh, or a, sorry, for a Saturday night and for like the weekend shift I'd be starting at like two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, two wow. o'clock to... Uh, yeah, probably about two in the afternoon. It was kind of weird actually cycling through Shoreditch, which is where I had to go, um, at about two, like, yeah, one o'clock in the morning on a Friday yeah. or Saturday night. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. on my way to Scary. work, and people very much not on their way to work, like the opposite. So, um, yeah, it was good fun. All right. So, let's get started on the sourdough. No pun, no pun intended. No why is it actually why is it actually called sour dough what's the sour, where does the sour come from well the sour dough it really comes it's like the most basic term is that it comes from the sour flavor in right. the bread um and like the, the the easiest way to to explain this is that the yeast eats the sugar in the bread which creates two right. um byproducts simply um acid which makes the sour yeah. flavor and carbon dioxide which makes it rise right um so yeah that that is like as, as yeah, at its most basic level that's that's what it's called sour, when it we sour. Say, but when we say sour i mean it's like it's the modern version of sour isn't it because i know people might be thinking if if someone out there hasn't tried it like ooh, sour yeah. like sour milk or but it's more like yeah it's more like the fermented sourness that you get with you know like a tang rather a than tang, an actual, yeah 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 it's very like it's it's tangy it's not it's not like ugh, that's sour yeah and it in and it's unique in that it doesn't use yeast as a starter as in baker's yeast yeah no so um it, this is probably like the original bread it's how people made bread thousands of years ago but then in the 19th century they basically isolated those little yeasts and then re- made them really really strong which meant that you right. can make bread really quickly yeah um but really what sourdough is using is, is taking a starter which i'll explain um for you now um so instead of using the baker's yeast, basically what you, you could create is a starter and this is basically just like a collection of um yeast and bacteria which is already in the flour yeah um and through um adding water you rehydrate it and then those bacteria and yeast come to life come okay. alive um, and eat all the food and um that's how um, basically, you train. Basically, all you do by making a starter is training those bacteria and yeasts to behave in the way that you want them to. So, basically, eating the food, rising, etc. So, so, in the most simple terms, you are mixing flat bread flour. Yep. 
with water. Yeah. And then leaving it. I'm not well, not leaving it, but you. But that's what you do to begin with, just flour and water. Yeah. So, but I think one of the daunting things for people is is when creating their own starter is that it does yeah. take a few days, right? Because um, you need to you need to train those yeast and bacteria to like you mm. need to build their strength. So you uh, you feed it over a succession of days, basically like adding a little bit more flour and a little bit more water, stirring it, leaving it at room temperature, right. and basically over the over the sort of course of like four or five days you'll notice mm. that, that it'll start to get bubbly it'll start to rise oh, a little I bit see. crash back and so it's like um it, it, yeah it's basically it's like it's like it's like training something to and basically you're just building its strength you give it a bit more food a bit of water then basically over a succession of days it gets more and more strong until it's strong enough to to leaven what they call leaven or like power a whole loaf and feed in a whole loaf it, it it amazes me in today's kind of you know like it in the food chain today that you could buy a bag of flour and it's it's kind of alive like it's got that mm. life in it because i would have thought oh you know it's kind of not unhygienic but you know when you say it you think well how does it how does it get going what's it got in it that makes it kind of yeah. bubble up and go yeah and that, that the reality is that well i think that like the more you look at fermented foods and which which you know sourdough uh, bread is one of like coffee mm. like um chocolate like beer like wine and um, the fact that these sort of um bacteria are almost everywhere you know yeah and it's just about harnessing them harnessing them to do uh what you want and and originally mm. um when like people discovered that when you left dough and water like uh, flour and water at room temperature for a while and it went all bubbly and then they cooked it and they were like oh my god this is delicious and yeah. then they also realized that um it kept longer um because um basically because you built up this like more complicated structure it keeps it keeps better so it lasts for longer than like a normal flatbread would oh okay yeah and um i go no i was just gonna say like um with, with the whole starter thing, because that, that's the thing that a lot of people talk about, and, you know, they're given mm-hmm. a name. So you've got a starter, mm-hmm. got a name. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. No? Are you just no, too old just... and cynical to start naming your starter well, now? Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. Mine's because just that's, in the fridge. Because it needs to be, this is the thing we're talking about at the beginning, the starter's mm. the thing that you're babysitting, isn't it? Yeah, completely. It is, it is like, the most important thing when baking sourdough yeah. bread. And, and how much commitment do you need to put in there? What t- Talk me through the four days. What am I doing in those four days when my starter's getting going? Okay, I'll just talk you through making your starter. So day one, I'll mix, uh, well, you mix 50 grams of flour mm. with 50 grams of water. Mix it up in a little jam jar. Put a little, like, tea towel over it or a jar, like, jar on it. Leave it at room temperature for a whole 24 hours. Yeah. And then in that time, you might notice a few bubbles. And then after 24 hours, so this is day two, yeah. take the lid off, 50 grams more flour, 50 mils more water, give it a good mix, lid back on. So what you're then you're then basically doing is, is feeding. So you're, you're introducing more food to the right. bacteria that are already there. Um, and then you do that again on the third day. And then again on the fourth day. And over the third and fourth day, you should start to see um, maybe about six to eight hours after you do that feed, you'll yeah. start to see that bubbles of ice, it's, it's starting to rise in the jar and then maybe yeah. even fall back down. Um, and then you, you're basically recognising that you have a culture, you've built like this strong culture of, of mm. bacteria and yeast, which then recognise it's like, oh, it's feeding time. So then they, you start to build sort of a, a rhythm in their life. Yeah. Um, so we're talking... 
No, carry on, sorry. Yeah, then uh, you do that sort of for another few days until you have this really strong, you'll, you'll, you'll know it's, it's, it's rising really high up in the jar. Yeah. It's really bubbly. You'll smell it. It smells yeasty and sweet um, and maybe a little bit sour. Um, and then, yeah, you're, you're ready to bake because you've, you've built this really strong colony. Can it, can it go wrong at that point? Um, it can go wrong in, in many ways. Um, I've heard of like starters going wrong from people having it, if you have it near the fruit bowl, um, oh. some like weird little fruit flies can get like fruit fruit yeast in there, which it doesn't like. like. But to be honest, it's fairly, it's fairly, fairly like, I mean, it's fairly safe, really. It's, 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 it's not, it's not really going to go too wrong. Okay. And does it, it, with the jar that it's in, you said, is, does it have to be sealed once you've, put everything in there is there a seal on top or do you put muslin on top does it need air coming into it how does that um no you can you can basically seal it see i mean when you get to the stage that it's going to start going over bubbly yeah it's it's, it's, yeah it's getting really bubbly i wouldn't have the lid on because the pressure would build up and it might like pop the lid off or you know do something strange like that but to begin with yeah you can just put it on or just very loosely or just literally rest the lid on top Mm -hmm. just so that no nasties can get in or a bit of muslin bit of bit of um kitchen paper or something like that would be perfect as well okay um mm-hmm. i've got a, i've got a uh i've got some questions here from our boss mm-hmm. laura <laughs> that i'm going to yeah. keep interjecting with because i'm quite yeah, interested in well um one of the questions she says is can you use different flowers in both the starter and the final bread i think she means can you use a different flower in the starter to the final bread or do you have to use the same flour? yeah absolutely um your starter will prefer it if it, it is fed with the same flour regularly. Right. Um, it's like, it'd be like, you know, if, if you suddenly come home with a new dog or cat food, you know, sometimes they might yeah. turn their nose up a little, or, you know, like it's, it's not, not to the extent. Not to the extreme, so turning like the nose up, it's the, <laughs> the <laughs> upset just, tummies. <laughs> yeah, so they, they um, <laughs> So that yeah, it, it it does prefer basically your starter will prefer a fairly constant temperature and a right. fairly constant feeding cycle with the same food. That's how you get like a really really strong. Um, so I I basically just use white predominantly, but I have run out run run out of white. I've thrown rye in there. I've thrown spelt, and it, it, it like you it will be fine. It, okay. it will it will be absolutely fine. And then with the like say I have a I've been feeding my starter with rye flour and mm. I wanted to make an all white loaf. Yeah. I mean it's it's not going to make a huge difference, difference. to the out like, to the outcome because no. you're going to add a hundred grams of starter say to a kilo of flour, so you're only going to end up with like ten like you know ten percent. Okay. Cool. Of the yeah. And then so so now it it's it's five days down the line. We've got mm-hmm. our starter. What do we do mm-hmm. now? So. You then create something called a levan, which right. is a fancy term for basically taking out a bit of that starter and then feeding that. So basically, you're almost like making a new colony. Okay. And the reason for doing this is 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 manifold. Is that the type of bread that we like to eat isn't overly sour. So by taking a little bit of that really old, quite sour, mature starter and feeding mm. it, you're basically harnessing its power while right. not getting too much of that sour flavor into your loaf so it'll okay. just be like a nice background tang when you eat it whereas if you were to use all of that old starter yeah. it would be like the, the finished bread might be like like quite noticeably 
tangy like quite right. you know whereas like i think not, most people like their sourdough just a little bit tangy um, and it's also good for it means that if you do it like that you can never accidentally use all of your starter in a loaf because i've come very close to it on many occasions where i've taken my starter and just poured it you know i've made it done it like that and poured it into my loaf and then realized that like oh got, i've actually got not got yeah but i mean as long as you have the scrapings from the inside of the jar you have a starter still it, it will wow. nearly always yeah like you can you can keep like a teaspoon and it and it will it will come back so is your original starter the thing in the jam jar is that mm-hmm. does that just keep going so yeah and then at that stage because for volume wise it's best to yeah. probably throw away three quarters of your starter yeah but don't throw it away we've got many different things you can do with it and is then this you the discard again. this is that the discard yeah we'll talk about that in a bit though yeah 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 yeah. Um, yeah, but you, you and then yeah, you just feed it again as normal. So all right. So so what you're saying is, the stuff in the the stuff to make the lavan comes out. Mm-hmm. What you've got left is the rest mm-hmm. of your starter. You lose some mm-hmm. of that because you need to start with a smaller amount and then just keep on yeah. freshening that, feeding that. Yeah. 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 Cool. Okay. Yeah. So so then. Um, well, let's talk about the the, dis, the charmingly named discard then, because that's because people. I think another question that Laura was asking was that people had been doing. She'd been seeing quite a lot of stuff on um, mm. Instagram of people doing things with that. What what sort of stuff can you do with that? Um, I mean, it, it is effectively just a batter. So okay. I mean, it's kind of um, when you think of it like that, the, the possibilities become you know open. Right. But um, it is really just a, like a, a flour water batter that you've sort of slightly fermented. But um, you can, I've seen people literally just pour it out of the jar into a frying pan really? and into oil. Yeah, yeah, and it makes oh, like, like a sort of fermented um, kind of crumpety type thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They cook it on either side. I saw someone he sprinkled um, spring onions. It's like finely sliced spring onions and sesame seeds on it and fried it on both sides. It looked delicious, and then served it with a soy dipping sauce. Um, but you could basically you can you could crack an egg in there and make pancakes. Um, Yorkshire puddings, sourdough you Yorkies. Could probably, you, you could most definitely make it um, Yorkshire puddings. That wouldn't go, that wouldn't go down well in the northeast. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Sourdough, no, no. Um, sorry to anyone Yorkies. for my accent. Yeah, I know that was uh, a bit Yorkshire, actually. I don't know. Because <laughs> Alex and our team is from Yorkshire, and I, I do take the mick quite a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then, or you can um, you can actually make crumpets. So you know, you put pour it into the pan with like a little yeah. metal ring. Make like yeah, it's it's basically just a, like a, a batter or a dough. So you can you can do all, all kinds of things with it. Yeah, like pancakes or crumpets. How <laughs> how much should you have left once you've discarded then that your of your of your starter? Um, it depends how. Like me personally, because I know mine is s- strong and yeah. very. Uh, I I treated mine fairly badly in the past, and it still, <laughs> and it still um, seems to bake good bread and come yeah. back alive once treat I treat it with stuff. contempt. Yeah, yeah, I treat <laughs> mean, keep keen. Um, no, I think there's been the times where it's been it's been near death, but um, so I, I basically now my I, mine is strong and baking a lot at the moment. I can throw mm. away all but 
two or three tablespoons really? and then feed that. Yeah, because um, I know that it's good and powerful. I know that it's got plenty of bacteria in there, so yeah. I can discard quite a lot. But I would say always keep, say, a quarter. I think a quarter that's is good. Like, yeah, I think yeah. when you're when you're doing fermenting, and often when you keep a bit back and then put more stuff in, it's called back slopping, which isn't yeah. a very nice term either. You should usually keep like a quarter. Yeah, I know because I, I am actually making kombucha now. Like I've reached peak um, crouch end, crouch end yeah. kombucha. Smashing it. <laughs> How is it? It's delicious. Um, I just tasted it there. You reminded me because it I, I could see on the the camera that I'm on that it's behind me and I was like, oh, I need to try my kombucha. It's pretty oh, yeah, it. pretty, it's pretty punchy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice and sour. And it's really sour, but I, I like it like that. I like it kind of vinegary. So, mm. so that's good. So now, so it, just so we I know where we are in the um the process. So we're now in the Levan. Mm-hmm. So, in in the Levant stage, we've taken X amount of our starter. We mixed it with some flour. Is that right? Yeah. So if I was making one loaf, I would yeah. mix it with um, fifty grams of uh, whatever flour, whatever like strong white okay. bread flour, and fifty yeah. mils of water. Because then I know that it would make. Uh, I need a hundred grams to make one loaf. Okay. So then I know that fifty grams plus fifty grams, I've definitely got enough. Yeah, um, and, how, and then I'll leave that. Yeah, I'll leave that um, for like yeah. I, I usually like overnight. Overnight, or, okay. Yeah. Or if I'm but if I'm gonna make bread in the evening, I'll feed it first thing in the morning and then leave okay. it all day. Yeah. So yeah, like eight hours, ten hours. Okay, ten hours. Um, and by that point, it will have risen loads. It will have got a bit sour, but it won't mm. have um, started to collapse on itself because okay. after a while, the yeasts basically start eating, eating themselves and like eating it, and it sort of breaks down a bit. You want to you want to yeah. harness it when it's at its peak, when it's like yeah. reached that max level, um, and a good way to do that, uh, like to 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 to, to recognise that, is to uh, people use elastic bands on like the jam jar. So when you um, feed your starter, you put like a little elastic band around the jar, yeah. and then you're put it all the way up and then you'll put another one when it's like what you think is the top and then you re- you'll see how much it's gone up and then you can basically okay. get a gauge of whether you think it's ready right and um, another good way to test whether it's ready is to take a little bit and to drop it into some warm water yeah and if it floats that means that it's basically um good to use okay so is that is that lola van or the, the starter that you're talking that's about that's the van yeah the yeah it's Levan. So, so when we've taken the starter, mm-hmm. a bit of the start route, mixed it with the flour and water as the levan, that goes into a, a, a jar too. Yeah, right? or a yeah. bowl, yeah, jar or a bowl, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, and then mm-hmm. you, you've left it overnight, you've left it all day. Okay, yeah. so, then, so then when we've got to this stage, are you now ready to make your loaf? Yes, you're you're ready to start mixing your dough together. Okay, and then how do we do that then? How do we put that together? um so uh you would so for like one loaf i would take 500 grams of whatever flour whatever mix of flours yeah um and then mix in some water 350 grams say um 350 mils and mix that together to a dough and then i would leave that for at least 20 minutes and this is a stage how much mixing do you to be honest, with with sourdough, you need to yeah. basically just mix it until there's no lumps, uh, like like yeah. like like flour. 
basically yeah. until it becomes a, a sort of sticky mess sticky it doesn't have to right. be smooth you're not you're not kneading it doesn't have to be no. uniform or strong or it just basically has to be a shaggy mess shaggy that has no has no like dry lumps of flour mm. and then i'd leave that for 20 minutes and this is a quite important step in sourdough and it's called auto lees Okay. And so there, there is, for, that's one of the other things about sourdough. There's quite a lot of terminology, which is quite yeah. scary. But um, autolise basically means self-digestion okay. in Latin, I'm told. Um, <laughs> and so this is where the flour basically, so this is where you don't really need to knead sourdough. You don't need to knead it. Um, because through autolise, yeah. the, the, the gluten bonds will basically break and then form their own long links oh. instead of when you need you basically like smash them into submission you're like form right. these big links form the form. Bread, whereas yeah. sourdough whereas sourdough they kind of through this process they'll kind of form their own journey into okay. really strong links and that only takes 20 minutes 20 minutes to an hour yeah, yeah. I, i've i've heard of people leaving it for i've, I've i know some people that make their dough when they feed their levan so they yeah. eat it for like eight or ten hours uh-huh. which for me is overkill i think that's yeah. that's not really necessary um yeah so just 20 minutes or an hour um we'd usually do 20 minutes in the bakery but that was probably because we had so much bread to make so yeah, i probably just, just wanted it. to crack on with it yeah so I think. um and then after the after the 20 minutes to an hour what mm-hmm. stage are we going to next so then we're adding the remaining bits of the dough, really. Right, so we're okay. going to add our starter in yeah, and our salt. Right. And also a little bit more water, if possible, if you think your dough can handle it and not be overly wet. And this is another terminology called bassinage, okay. which basically, um, this is very, very term-oriented and, and confusing for people who don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know, because each, each, but each stage has got a name, which I think is good because then it, you can you can think I'm at this stage or I need to get yeah. to that stage next. So I think it's quite useful to name them rather than yeah, yeah. step four. You yeah. know, we're at we're at bassinage now. I mean, we're at bassinage. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just up to the bassinage at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is like a French term, which basically um, add, it means adding a little bit more water, and this basically will improve the crumb in the finished dough. Um, um. Because when you do your first initial mix, the flour and water will be like, oh, it don't really, it'll be like, it'll, it'll be absorbing really water, but after together. the water yeah. mix, it'll be ready to, yeah. it'll be ready to just to take a little bit more potentially, yeah. which will give you a really nice, soft, open crumb. Um, yeah, and a nice, and also I said to keep, like, keep better. Stick around for more sourdough tips and tricks from Adam. I have, I have a question here. This is my question because I've mm-hmm. heard you and Barney from Good Food in the kitchen talking yeah. about hydration yes. <laughs> percentages. And I'm like, yeah. I think this is probably where I got put off because, you know, it's like 80% hydration or this percent hydration. Like, what, yeah. what's what's all that about? <laughs> so really, like, yeah, there is a there is a bit of a fixation in sourdough yeah. um, with hydration. And that basically is how much water you put into your dough. Okay. And... For many people, well, not enough water mm. and your dough is really tight and yeah. it, it never loosens up and, and, and ferments properly or right. grows properly. Too much water yeah. and it's 
like a batter and it will you know it won't rise to its full potential it it will sit flatter as soon as you you know it will sink so it's about that sort of middle ground so like holding the structure of it as well yeah to basically mean that you get that perfect structure and the rise but you get a bit of sink and then it's powerful it's 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 a bit like if anyone drives it's like finding the biting point of a car it's like that middle middle ground bit yeah um but people like high hydration because it gives you more of an open structure. Um, so all it gives you those big holes. Those, and those big, big holes random. that you see when people do the cut through. <laughs> exactly. So for like a lot of, there's many different techniques to be able to get more water in whilst yeah. keeping the structure. But to be honest, that's like advanced level. And I don't, I don't, I don't bother with it. Yeah. So there is, I mean, it, there's no kind of, you want to try and find some nice middle ground where there's not too much flour, too much water. You've just kind of got a really decent dough that's yeah. going to give you a good rise. Yeah, I think like between 65 and 70% water or 75% yeah. water, depending on wholemeal flour takes more water because it's got more bran, which is absorbative, yeah. and all those little dark bits absorb more water. So that's when it gets really complicated. But Yeah. Um, Laura said that she saw you add a porridge of breadcrumbs into your dough mm. at one point. What, what were you doing there? <laughs> um, so it's quite, a, I don't know where it comes from, mm. but um, a lot of people add different porridges into their dough um, mm. as like a little textural thing. So um, a lot of people will do uh, oat porridge. Um, and also this is another good way of getting more water into your dough. So it makes but it higher. the medium of something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And also just a really, like, a really nice flavour, textural thing. Um, so what I did was I had loads of ends of sourdough left in my freezer mm. because they're the bits of toast that no one wants to eat because they don't fit in the toaster properly yeah. and they, like, toast on one side, <laughs> burn on the other, which is fair enough. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I just took them with the water breadcrumbs and then I toasted them in olive oil in a frying pan so they're really crispy nice. breadcrumbs. Um, and then I poured water in and made a porridge, like a sort of kind of spongy, sticky porridge. Yeah. And then I incorporated that into my dough um, because it kind of was like the life cycle of a loaf. It was like, you know, utilising yeah. all those ends and then being born into a new loaf. And it made it nice and it is. sticky and, and delicious, yeah. So it adds like flavour as well as texture when you do that. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Like... Um, where the bakery used to work we had we did like a pearl barley porridge nice. which like and you know like the sort of chewy texture of a, of a yeah. pearl barley nugget and um, in a loaf is, is actually really delicious yeah yeah what what else can you put in i mean can you add anything can i just throw in like i don't know cumin seeds or uh... absolutely absolutely like um as long as it's not too big yeah. Like the bigger the thing, the more likely it is to break the gluten structure oh, and be okay. heavy and drag yeah. everything down. So, I mean, cheese, olives, mm, rosemary, cheese. herbs, seeds, any all the seeds. Um, yeah, basically any, anything if you cut it up small enough, to be yeah. honest. You could put you, anything in there. Do you add that during the, the shaggy dough stage then, when you're mixing it all no, together? No, so... so I, I per, there's, there's several ways you can do it, but yeah. I personally um, do it in the next section, which is where right. you do your stretch and folding. Ah, uh, yeah. You're basically, because then you can sort of sprinkle a bit in, stretch, yeah. fold, and then you basically add it over the space of an hour, and it kind of, like, over the space of that time, kind of incorporates nicely. There's a, I know there's a reason in, in, in normal bread making for that, because whenever I've made, for example... Um, 
hot cross buns mm-hmm. or like cinnamon raisin bagels you always mm-hmm. add in the solid bits when you've actually got the dough made or, or when you're kneading the dough because you it, it needs to be able to hold it like rather than putting it in at the beginning yeah so yeah that makes sense so yeah to, tell us about stretch and fill so this is the point this is kind of the magical bit because because we're not kneading it or we were stretching it yeah, so this is the point when it will turn from a shaggy sort of like kind of rough looking dough. Because once you've added your salt and your uh, starter, it will kind of go kind of a bit shaggy again. It will have it will have gone from shaggy to 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 kind of a bit nicer, and then yeah. you've added stuff, and then it will go back to shaggy. But you're basically just building those building blocks of strength. Um, and then this is literally in, in half an hour and yeah. then you'll do like a little stretch and fold up and over itself. And that's really, you're basically just picking up a corner and stretching yeah. it nice and high without it tearing and then yeah. folding it over itself, turning the bowl 90 degrees and doing the same. And you'll see as you do it, it's stretching a bit further every time and then also getting sort of more taut as it's, it's basically like doing a little bit of shaping. It's getting a bit more structure. It's getting strong. Mm. Um, and... Um, yeah, it, it's basically you building strength and also yeah. asserting a bit of dominance over the dough. You're telling okay. it to, you're like showing it who's boss. <laughs> and you're trapping kind of air in there as well, aren't you? I yeah, guess. you're trapping air. You're a bit like building little like strength, like bricks of protein to like make it nice yeah. and strong. Yeah. Can you can you ever do that stage at all, or is that? Well, yeah, this is like the, the stretch and fold stage, or it's also known as the bulk fermentation right. um, stage. Um, yeah, you definitely can over-ferment your dough. Right. Which is where um, effectively the, your bacteria and yeast will start damaging the structure that you've built. They'll start okay. like eating that structure and then um it'll be really gassy and it won't quite be strong enough to hold that gas so okay. therefore it will just start it'll be a bit flat or it'll be a bit rounded in places yeah. and yeah so so we've done the stretch and fold how mm-hmm. many times do we do that About i box? do it i do it between four and six times so okay. over the case of over the space of sort of two hours so oh so so the stretch and fold you do it for a certain amount of times leave it and then go back and do it again yeah, so I, I, yeah, I think in my guide I'll do it four times or maybe six times every half an hour. Yeah. Yeah. And then once once you've done that, what happens next? Um, I would then leave it for a couple of hours just to like ferment on its own. It's sort of right, it's okay. you've 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 it's built its strength and it's it's got its structure. And then basically you're just going to let it let the bacteria used to its do its thing. And this is the bulk fermentation. And this is bulk fermentation. Okay. Yeah, where you'll build that sort of sour, sour flavour and also the carbon dioxide, which is going to give it its rise. And at this point, is it still in the bowl? Yes. It's still in the bowl, okay. Yeah. Right, so then moving on to the next bit. Once it's done mm-hmm. the bulk fermentation, where do we go next? There, next, we go to the bench rest. Ooh which um, is effectively, so you take your big mass of dough, you might be making two, three, four, or maybe just one loaf, and yeah. you put it onto the uh, work surface and shape it into a nice tight ball. Okay. Um, because you're basically, again, you're like asserting your dominance over it. You want it to know that you want it to be a certain shape at the end. Like okay. you want to, you're, you're building that, t- that tightness and that structure so that it, it keeps its shape at the end. Yeah. So when you, when you say you, is it, are we doing that thing that I've seen people where they shape it by, you kind of almost pull the ends together and then make a kind of nice round ball kind of thing? Yeah. Or? 
yeah, yeah. They're, they're like, then maybe the sort of pulling over bit will be yeah. the next step. But this bit, you're kind of, you basically maybe just use your dough scraper to just kind of like push it round a bit oh, into a nice circle. Or you could yeah. use like floured hands to just sort of, you know, work it in a little circle to, to a ball. So you're making it into a ball and then you just leave it on the bench for a bit and that's what the rest yeah. of it is. Is it exactly as it says? It is just, just having a rest on, on a bench. <laughs> Yeah, whoever whoever came up with this stage wasn't as creative as the Latin name. I know, we've had like Levan and Bassinage and now we're just resting on a bench. Oh, it's just resting on a bench. Um, and how um, yeah. how long does it how long does it sit on the bench for? About twenty minutes. Twenty yeah. minutes. Doesn't okay. need to, doesn't need to stay too long because no. even, even in that time you'll see it relax nicely and, and become okay. flat again. Right. And then it goes into the I've seen them before, the banneton, which is the, the fancy basket. Yeah, a fancy basket. Um, and then before it does that, you'll sort of okay. need to do a bit of reshaping right. um, because it will have like flattened a bit. Oh, okay. And then you'll take your dough and that's when you'll take maybe like little edges and corners and pull them into the centre to oh, create pull them into that it. So you get like a nice again. rounded, yeah. So so talking about the, ban- the banneton, for people who don't know what a banneton is, can you describe it, please? Um, it is a small wicker basket, really. Okay. Um, some of them have little cloths on the inside. Some of them don't. Some of them you just put straight into the wicker. And yeah. um, the point of a banneton is to basically you're forming your loaf's uh, shape. So basically you're like almost like setting it. It's like putting it into a mould, effectively. Yeah. So that it, like, it basically sits up and it's like, okay, this is the shape that I'm going to be when I'm baked. So right. you might have a long banneton or a round, what they call a boule, um, yeah. or... Um, a bunt tin or you know it might there's all kinds of different shapes i was going to say what can into. you use what can you use if you haven't got a bunt a bunt can you use something um, improvise with something else absolutely like a, a, a good sized bowl like a like a like a a bowl, a bowl with a tea, like lightly flowered tea towel on the inside yeah. a sieve a colander um Ooh. or if you have some kind of small basket to hand yeah. that <laughs> seems the right size like a, yeah. like a fruit basket yeah yeah definitely you've got to line it though right because otherwise that dough is just going to stick to it i'd always put like a light leaf uh, a flowered uh clean tea towel on the inside yeah. or like, mus- just I guess if you had like muslin or something you could use that or some kind definitely of like... yeah yeah cool because um, the dough will like to stick it, it likes to stick to stuff so yeah. you need to prevent that um if you are using a banneton or other thing what do you i mean how do you keep it sort of clean for people who are getting worried about you know having bits and pieces and stuff stuff can you wash it I mean, you can't put it through the uh no, shop, obviously. I, I, the, um a lot of the banisons will come with a cloth that, that comes on the inside which you can basically take out and wash in the washing machine oh, so that's, that's what i do yeah but if you don't and you're just using the wicker which you can also do and um, if you buy basically the brush from a dustpan and brush buy a clean new one oh, and then yeah. basically you can just take it just outside and give brush. it give it and get all into all the nooks and crannies yeah. and it's really important to um dry them so if your dough if you've had a particularly wet dough in there mm. that's like stuck on it's got like into all the nooks and crannies and you just leave it out in the sun like for an afternoon yeah. and then basically get in there and basically to get basically just get all that those yeah. crusty bits off cool. it'll be grand so and how long does the um the loaf stay in the banneton for so at this point you have two options you can either leave it at room temperature for, for an hour and then right. bake which is pretty okay. good for letting your oven heat up yeah. Or you can um, put it in the fridge, which is like what they call basically um, retarding the dough. Um, so the reason, there's several reasons why a lot of bakeries put their, it's basically what like a lot of like all sourdough bakeries will do. And 
Um, firstly, this will improve the flavour because in the fridge, the yeast will stop feeding as like fast, basically yeah. aggressively, yeah. but um, we'll kind of still keep nibbling a bit around a bit. Won't produce that much gas, but the sourness of your dough will increase and okay. the, um, yeah, and the overall flavour I think um, will improve. And the second thing it does is it, it really firms up and sets the dough in the shape. Mm. Um, and the other reason why it's really good is it means that you can set your own schedule for baking so it might be that you you know want to make a loaf during the day but you're going out for dinner and you just yeah. basically throw it throw it in the fridge and then you can bake it on your terms whilst stopping the proving process and not having to worry about it over proving or any of those things so this is the one bit in a little babysitting scenario where actually you can go, <laughs> well, you can't go out to the pub and leave it not not these days <laughs> But you no. can go. But you can go off and do some gardening or something, and think I'm yeah, gonna yeah. I'm gonna put that I'm gonna put that into like you know stasis for later, and then come back mm-hmm. and get it. Um, yeah. Tell us about the um, because I've seen um, and I've seen you in the kitchen as well. Mostly using a kind of big Le Creuset style kind of Dutch oven type thing to bake. What what what's that about? Is I mean is that a traditional thing to do? Um, basically, by using that Dutch oven. What you're doing is uh, imitating a like, professional oven. So okay. professional ovens have something called a steam inlet. So basically when you put your bread into the oven on a hot yeah. stone, um, they then spray the oven with loads of cold water, which creates steam in the oven. And the reason why they do this is because without the steam or with the steam, your loaf will, f- well, basically with the steam, your loaf will um, grow and rise till it's, peak like to its maximum potential because of the heat of the oven that you need to bake the bread out if you didn't add that steam the crust would set too quickly oh, and it, it would it would it wouldn't fully reach its potential it can't expand anymore because it's yeah. literally set it right because it's got that hard outer shell already yeah. like too fast and so by adding the steam it means that the crust doesn't form as as fast um, and then basically it can grow and reach its maximum potential yeah. and so when you bake in a dutch oven with a lid yeah. on or like some kind of casserole um the, the loaf creates its own steam so as it's cooking all that water evaporates and it creates like a really moist environment in there um which will mean that your loaf will go and have a really nice ear and rise and so you're not adding any water to it no no your loaf will literally create its own little steamy steamy steam room so it's literally like tipping out of the banneton into uh, do we preheat the dutch oven yeah yeah really important to really for like 45 minutes to an hour um yeah so it's like real ripping hot which is obviously be careful guys because it's very um and then turning your dough out onto either um a peel like a chopping board with some flour on it or onto a bit of baking paper scoring it um and then putting it in the dutch oven that's where you get the um the razor or similar it's called a lame it's called a lame in French Um, or a pair of scissors or a knife but basically what the ear does yeah well what scoring does is that you are deciding how your bread rises so given its own if it's uh, left to its own it might like burst out of like a little shoulder and elbow because that rise because it it doesn't it doesn't necessarily go up it finds the weak spot so it might just grow a little extra head or something on the side yeah it might i've this yeah there's there been times where i've baked some strange looking loaves um <laughs> and so by scoring it you're ensuring that it has already has a weak spot mm. you're basically creating that weak spot for it so then it will have it's nice 
yeah. and, you, and it looks beautiful. You can make it beautiful as well, can't you? Obviously of course. Doing like little kind of flowery things and leaf yeah. motifs. And do you do that? Yeah, you, you can. You, look at a bit no, skeptical. I, I, I personally, I am not an arty person. I just like a big, strong one slash or two slash. You know, any yeah. other. And yeah. In comparison to your what what size sort of Dutch oven should you use? in relation to your loaf should it be like a similar size should it have a bit of room for expansion yeah i mean you, you'll find that most of the banatons are like the same size as a like you know av- average casserole dish yeah. right like round casserole dish um yeah you don't want too much room otherwise this there won't be enough steam because you right. want it to, you want it to be kind of snug in there kind of snug in there yeah yeah that's cool um and then how long does it take once it's in the in its in its oven, um, mm. I do probably, I think I do 20 minutes without the lid on, with, with the lid on, sorry, and then take the lid yeah. off for the final 20. So basically after and like 20 minutes, nice it's probably, it. yeah, that's when you get your real deep, crunchy crust. Yeah. Um, just finally for the last bit, let's talk about some kind of troubleshooting. So mm-hmm. um, common reasons why, you know, why your loaf your isn't, life. As good as Adam Bush's loaf. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, that's that's a that's a question that a lot of bakers will be asking themselves during this. Uh, no, nah, I'm joking. Um, We've got a list. The, so, so basically, it's it's things like. Um, basically, the best thing to do if your loaf's not gone to plan mm-hmm. is to really go through the process. Go through the process like we have just done. Yeah. From from the start and, and, yeah. and basically be like, how was my starter like really bubbly and risen yeah. and raring to go? Yeah. Or um, did I, during the bulk fermentation, did I leave it for an hour too long while I was gardening and it's actually quite a warm day and it's gone right. over? Or is it really cold today and actually it's not, got started properly and it's not really had long enough to 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 get going or you know there's there's plenty of basically if you go through that like yeah the whole process you can look at like how much water's in it and like there's all it's like there's i mean to be honest there's there's hundreds of ways of why it could have not be perfect yeah and i think from what you've said um it sounds like it would be a good idea to keep some kind of little notebook to say Mm. what you did in each stage because obviously you're, you're investing quite a lot of time in this aren't you so yeah definitely you kind of want it, and, and if you and, want and to improve when it you, when you invest a lot of time in it it doesn't turn out perfectly yeah yeah it, it can be it can be quite disheartening really yeah um so yeah i'd suggest getting a little notepad or i know people that have excel spreadsheets which is kind of sad um, and yeah. i just jot down <laughs> my my problem is that i rarely make the same loaf twice so right. so I, i've got about 30 different recipes for different breads but none of them really the same because each day i'm like oh i might put some x in it or oh, i'm going to use some of this flour or um yeah I, the best thing it, to do yeah to get the best results is bake the same bread like over and over again that's how you'll get like really because then you can know the tweaks on a little bit more water or a little bit less mm. water or a little bit longer fermenting or you know that's how you really hone the, your skills that's exactly what i was going to say or suggest was if you want to if you want to keep a notebook on how things are changing or, or improving or whatever, then it's probably best to, for the first few times, bake in the same situation, in mm. the same kind of kitchen, but like note down what the temperature is outside, you know, yeah. how long you did different improvements for and stuff. And then it like my my brain would go to there to say like, but but keep the keep the recipe consistent, as in mm-hmm. the same kind of mm-hmm. flour you're using. 
so then you can see how the your environment and how you're acting is it affecting the recipe like finish yeah recipe. completely um if people wanted to go and read this once they've listened to it i think am i right in saying that you've got a whole step-by-step thing online for sourdough all of it yeah so if you go to olivemagazine.com mm. there is um a sourdough starter guide and also a step-by-step sourdough guide so yeah. you know if, if someone's given you some starter then you you don't really have to go to the starter section you yeah. can go straight to sourdough but um yeah so all the people- information just about the giving given of the starter because I got a I got kombucha scoby from my sister. Is that the same mm-hmm. thing? Like with the if rather than discarding your starter, can you then can you give that to somebody else? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, um, yeah, yeah. And then someone else can make beautiful. That's, that's bread. a love. That's a lovely thing to do. I think. You know, yeah. <laughs> just go and at a safe distance and leave it leave it outside somebody's yeah, yeah. house. But tell them you're doing it because otherwise it yes. might die. Just um, or just leaving a manky jar of something outside yeah. someone's front door is not. <laughs> yeah. no. I was also going to say um, to remind people that there's actually two podcasts that are relative to this that people might want to listen to. One is you talking to Vanessa Kimball, who's an absolute mm. sourdough expert, and she talks a lot more about using kind of wild flowers and different kind of ingredients, doesn't she? She's very much yeah. kind of into wild There's a gut health, gut health gut element health. to that, yeah. Yeah. And then um, talking of gut health, the series that you did with Kerry Torrens, I think you mm. go into sourdough there as well and actually mm-hmm. go quite far into how how it affects your um, microbiome and your gut and everything so people are interested in that then um, Vanessa's episode 178 and if you type in Olive Magazine Gut Health podcast you'll find all of the ones we'll carry there as well but Mm -hmm. thanks so much for taking us through that today I have got some bread flour in the the cupboard that someone gifted me so I might just go off and try try that starter Adam why not you inspired me if yeah. now is the time to do it, I think, yeah. if, you're ever, if you're ever going to do it. <laughs> okay. Cheers for talking to us today, Adam. No worries. Thanks, See you later. Cheers. So that was this week's podcast. If you want to explore more of our back catalogue of almost 200 episodes, you'll find us on all the main podcast platforms and on our website, olivemagazine.com, where you'll also find tons of useful recipes and some great cooking advice. And if you find it difficult to get your monthly mag, why not become a temporary subscriber? You'll get the next three copies of Olive Magazine delivered to your door for a single payment of £12.50, saving 15% off the usual shop price, with free delivery and no obligation to continue after the three months. To take advantage, go to buysubscriptions.com forward slash allpod3. That's O-L-P-O-D-3. Stay safe and we'll see you next week when we'll have a brand new episode.